Good morning, everyone. It's good to see each one here. So, what's going on up here? Well, I think when the bishop is away, then the rest of us play, right? <laughs> no, I want to do a couple illustrations, so, yeah, kind of move some stuff here. But an opening verse, this is out of Romans 14, verse 11, says, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. And verse 12, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. So we are all under God's authority, and we're all going to bow before him. Whether or not we want to, whether or not we plan to, everyone will have their time before God. God is in authority, and authority must exist on earth as well. If, if we don't have authority, then nothing gets done. <clears throat> if, if nobody takes charge, nothing happens. Somebody has to organize things to make sure everything's ready for when the workers come. Like, somebody has to be in charge. So I want to do a, an illustration, and it might be a little bit over the top, but I need... I need four guys to help me. So, Chad, do you want to come up here? And Jesse, you want to come up here? And Walt and um, Luke, if you two want to come up here. <clears throat> so, Chad, you're going to be my helper. And you and I are running a business. I'm the boss, and so you're my employee. So, You'll need that for what I'm going to have you do. The rest of you guys, Jesse, down in the fridge, there's a can of pop, and I want you to go get that, but hang on. You can all go out together. Um, Walt, in the back of my van, there's a tub of sand, and I want you to bring that tub of sand in here. Okay, you know which van is ours? It's, if you go out there, it's the nicest one that's out there. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Luke, I want you to go with him, and there's a flashlight, an umbrella, and some sunglasses. I want you to bring those in so you guys can go. <clears throat> Quick, I, I want this to happen fast, so run or if you need to. Um, Chad, we need to move this table out of the way. And if you want to grab that chair and set it about right here, you can take the songbooks off of it. Actually, I'm going to push this over here. And then you can take that cloth, and I want you to clean it up really well. I'll do a good job. You missed some spots there. Not a good artist here.
All right, you got it? All right, put the tub of sand right here. <clears throat> and uh, Luke, I want you to open that umbrella and give it to Jesse. Um, Chad, you can... So we charge $70 an hour, so here's 20 You can go sit down. I'll take that. You're done for the day. <clears throat> What'd you do? Don't you know even how to open an umbrella? <laughs> All right, so Jesse, you want to stand up here and just kind of hold the umbrella like this? And I'll take the sunglasses. And why don't you stand up here, Luke, and you shine this right on that chair, okay? <clears throat> All right. All right, this is as near as a beach as I could make. But my question is, is this what you think about when you think about authority? Oh, the the guy that's in authority gets to be in the spotlight. The guy that's in the authority gets to order everybody around and and not talk very nice. I didn't talk very nice to, to Luke. They just get to say what they think, and, you know, everybody has to do. The, the one in authority gets to keep all the money. <clears throat> and the one in authority gets all the nice stuff, like my awesome sunglasses. They're genuine Gospel Echoes team reading with a mission sunglasses. <laughs> we get all the nice stuff, and everybody caters to us. Oh, I was going to drink some of my pop, too, but I forgot. All right, you guys can go sit down. If you think that's what authority is, then you are dead wrong. I'd like to, to do an illustration. Somebody actually asked me to talk about the umbrella th- theory of authority. And I told him that I am not a fan of the umbrella theory of authority. And so I want to explain a little bit what it is and then talk about its flaws. And, and I kind of grew up with this. This was something that was taught, yeah, when I was young. So... Okay, so basically we have God up here, and we have his umbrella of authority, okay? Then we have the church, and I drew four people up here because there's four ministers, and we have some authority in the church, and they have their umbrella. And then you have the father, and he has his umbrella, and the mother, she has her umbrella, and then the child. And the idea is that as long as you stay under authority, then you're safe, from the devil and his flaming arrows. 
as, as soon as somebody gets out, you know, say Gary gets out from under authority and he stands over here, then he's direct and he's open to Satan's attacks. So we'll put him back in here. <clears throat> now, there's some, um, there's some flaws with this. Um, it's, it's good, and, and people that are in authority like this because, you know, we get to say, well, anytime one of you guys gets out of, out of your umbrella or out from under your authority, then, you know, you're opening yourself up to all kinds of trouble. And, yeah, you get to say, well, you need to obey your authority no matter what. But there's some, there's some problems with this. One is that I don't believe this is a correct view of Satan, okay? So Satan shooting his flaming arrows. I believe more that Satan is under God's authority. So Satan can't do anything that God doesn't allow him to do, sort of like um, the story of Job. So... Satan went to God, asked for permission, basically, and God gave it. Another, um, another thing that I don't like is that the idea is, is that um, if you stay under authority, you're safe. And if you get out, then you're, then you're in danger. And um, it's, it brings, so you've heard of prosperity gospel, like if you do re- something really, or if you stay and you do really good, then you get all these things or whatever. Well, this is kind of the other, the flip side of that or whatever, is if you do really good, then nothing bad will ever happen to you. And then, I don't like how this is fleshed out, or how it's put into practical use. Some would say that if, if the father gets out from under the authority and he's over here, that drags everybody else from below out there too. So father's out here, then all of a sudden mother's out here and daughter's out here, and it just creates all kinds of problems in their life. Some believe, or would say, would teach, I've heard, that if, if any one of these gets out of authority or is disobedient, then it, it gets the whole line out. So in, in, the first, um, in the first thing that I said, you know, if, if the father gets out, then the mother might experience Satan's attacks and the child might experience Satan's attacks. And so I, I heard at one time that, you know, the son was experiencing, you know, all these temptations or whatever, and then it came out that, well, his father was into stuff or whatever. His father was out from under authority, and that's why... And it kind of puts the blame on the father. Um, so if, to make that practical, you could say, well, if I'm having trouble in my life and things aren't going good, well, I'm going to go find out who's, you know, I'm going to go to my dad and find out, you know, maybe I'll go to my mom first and find out, you know, are you obeying everything dad's telling you? Yep. All right, well, then I'm going to go to dad and find out, you know, is he, and if, if not him, well, then I'm going to go to the church and, like, you know, who's sinning here? Like, I'm having all this trouble. Like, it's one of you guys' fault. Um, but the other, like some people think that it, it goes the other way too. So if, if the daughter gets out and is doing stuff she shouldn't be doing, then all of a sudden the mother's going to have problems, the father's going to have problems, and the church is going to have problems. And so the, the opposite is true. So if the church is having problems, then we'd be like, all right, this is attacks from Satan. One of you must be sinning. And so we, you know, try to figure it out. So I'm... Yeah, and, and it gets very subjective, too. Like, how do you know what's just normal life? Um, you know, if you stub your toe or if 
you know, whatever. What's normal life or what is actual attack from Satan? It's subjective to what, whatever you think. And I don't like it that it directs your attention away from God. So basically the daughter, all she has to worry about is obeying her mother, like directly above her. And it takes the daughter's eyes off of God. Same with the father. As long as the father's doing everything the church says, then he's good. And there's, you know... This would be, and I believe that, that this illustration is rooted in the Old Testament. If you go to Joshua chapter 7... It's the story of Achan, and it fits this to a T. So, Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. So God had told them they're supposed to go um, you know, to Jericho, and they're supposed to destroy everything. Men, women, children, destroy all the gold, everything. Um, and everything was... a like it calls it the accursed thing, but everything was devoted to God. Every being in animal, everything was in Jericho was supposed to go and stand before God. So, um, but they committed a trespass. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Judah, or children of Israel. And then we'll go down to verses 4 and 5. <clears throat> okay, so in the meantime, so he took of the thing, and then they were going to go get destroy AI. They sent the spies. They're like, oh, we don't need very many people. We'll just send up 3,000. So they did, and they ran before them, and 36, I think, were killed. And so they, um, well, I guess that's what it says here. So there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of AI. And the men of Ai smote them, smote of them about 36 men. And they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shibarim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. So um, they were terrified of, of what happened here. Something bad happened, and they needed to figure out what was going on. And so Joshua fell on his face before the Lord, and they talked, and then... <coughs> This is what God said in verse 10. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and disassembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more, except ye destroy the accursed from among you. And then we know the rest of the story. They took Achan out and his whole family, all that he had, and stoned him. And when they were done stoning him, they burned him with fire. So that fits this really well. Achan got out from under authority. The whole line suffered, and God was upset, and you know the rest of the story. And, but that was back in the Old Testament how, with how God dealt with them as a people. Um, I believe that today... Sure, God deals with us as a people, but, but we, are, we each individually stand before God. We are each filled with the Holy Spirit. Where before God dwelt in the uh, tabernacle in the, center of their, um, in the center of their tents or whatever, now he dwells in our hearts. <clears throat> so is there a better way to think about authority? 
I want to draw an illustration here, and hopefully it'll make sense. Okay, so we're going to put God up here at the top. So that's supposed to represent a circle. And each person is under the direct authority of God. We are all responsible to follow his word, the rule of his word. And all other authority... All other authority is born out of this relationship that we have directly with God. So if you turn to um, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to start reading at verse 18. says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men." knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. So, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, because that's what God said. Right? Husbands, love your wives, because that's what God said. Children, obey your parents, because that's what God said. So there's, there's a direct line from God to you that commands you how you are to relate to those around you. Employees, fear the Lord and do what your boss asks of you. And if you do well, it says in verse 24 that you'll receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. But if you do wrong, you'll also receive reward. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm much more concerned about the reward that I would receive from God for not doing what God said to those around me. I'm much more concerned about that than I'm concerned about maybe experiencing a couple flaming arrows from the devil. <clears throat> we use the term authority, but sometimes I wonder if, if it would be helpful to think about it as responsibility. So, you men that are married and have a family, you're in authority over your family, right? In the home, what you says or what you say goes. But think about it as it's your responsibility. Okay, <clears throat> you are responsible for your family. 
And Jesus said something in Matthew chapter 20. that kind of echoes that a little bit, or that idea. Matthew chapter 20, starting at verse 25. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. So, among the Gentiles, it looked like my illustration to start out with. They got all the best things, you know, And they got to tell everybody what to do. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So those that are are in authority are supposed to serve the ones that they are serving. Um, And Jesus is our example. So instead of ruling over someone... Ask how you can help them fulfill what they are supposed to do, what you are requiring of them. And I think that principle can be applied in marriage, with your children, at work, or at church. And what I think is interesting is that we are all in authority over each other. That's why I drew this in a circle. Okay? And and to... I was hoping that Nate would be here. I think he's camping, but I'll use him as an illustration. So when Nate comes to church, you know, I'm a minister, so he's kind of under my authority a little bit, or a lot, or however you want to look at it. And let's say this is me, okay? And this is Nate. So Nate is under my authority. But you know what? Tomorrow morning, I'm going to go to one of Nate's jobs and do some work for him. Well, guess whose authority I'm under tomorrow? I am under Nate's authority. And over here is the school board, okay? And my children are going to be enrolled in school, so I'm under their school board's authority. And some of them are there under my authority. And the school board hired some teachers, okay? So there's the teachers. But some of the school board has students that are going to be in those classes, okay? So the school board is going to have to be under the authority of the teachers somewhat in some things, right? And it just is this big circle. You might be a Sunday school teacher that's under the authority of the superintendent. And you have students in your class that you teach. And it just keeps going on and on. You know, if, if we plan a work day here at church, who's in charge? Who's making sure that it all happens? Well, the trustees are, right? And if we have, um, if Terrell shows up, Terrell's the bishop of the church, but if Terrell shows up to the workday, guess who tells Terrell what to do? Probably the trustees do. Okay, so we all, we are all, I, I look at it as we're all in the same plane and we're all in subjection to each other, <clears throat> giving and taking. Um, and I want to go to First Peter chapter five. And I think this is interesting. So First Peter chapter five is a book on suffering, but he kind of brings this in as as 
here's something that we need to get right, because if we don't, it's going to cause a lot of suffering. So, starting at verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. So he's saying, those, the rest in church, submit yourselves to this elder who is um, supposed to be leading the church. Then he says, yea, all of you be subject one to another. Well, that means the elder, the younger, everyone is subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a lesson for all of us in, in how to lead, to be an example, but then we are to be in subject one to another. To lead when you're called upon and to be willing to follow when necessary. And it says to be clothed with humility. I don't believe that this circle works without humility. And I don't think it also works without love. And if you go to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for, God it, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And then you go down to um, verses 19 through 21. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother. So in other words, if a man say, I'm under God's authority, I love God, but I, I'm not willing to submit to my brother, or um, you know, I'm not willing to do what that person says. He is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. So love each other. Let your interactions with each other be done in love. And I love, I love to hear ideas. Like, and you think about this group of people getting together and, and trading ideas and trying to come up with a solution of, of what they want to do or how they want to proceed forward. I love that discussion, and, and there's so much wisdom that you can, you can gain. How can we learn to trade ideas in a gentle way? To be passionate but not forceful. That speaks to Gary. I'm not very gentle at times. I've, yeah, trying to work on that. How can we disagree in a gentle way? How can we disagree with someone without making that person feel dumb? Or how can we reject somebody's idea but still hold them up? And can we be humble enough to accept the better ideas even if they're not ours? Can we be humble enough to accept the majority, even if it's not what we would choose? What about rebellion? What happens if we, you know, we're going to, we're not going to be part of this circle anymore, and we're going to be out here? Well, if you're not going to be part of this circle, you're not going to be part of this vertical either. 
okay? Because this happens because what God says. So what happens if you get out there? And there's, there's a whole host of problems that, that occur when that happens. Um, number one, I believe it affects everybody for sure. A couple of questions, and then I want to focus on one. What happens when we don't lead out in the responsibility that God gave us? So if, you're, if God puts, like, okay, so a good one is that if you're a father. Well, that's a big responsibility that God has placed on your shoulders. What happens if you don't do it? What happens if we don't follow the people that God has placed in authority over you? What happens if you don't follow your father? And what happens when we take on responsibility that's not ours to take? Like if I come and start being a father to somebody else's children, well, not a good idea. I want to think about what happens when we don't follow the people that God has placed over us. And I believe it's the same, whether it's our parents, our husband, our church leaders, the trustee at the workday, the boss at work, school teacher, whatever. Um, now, obviously, we follow what's godly, right? And I want to stress that. I'm not saying at all that we just blindly do whatever somebody tells us. Um, we, we listen to our authority, but obviously God is the ultimate authority. So if one of these people are telling you to do something that's not honoring to God, obviously God is first. <clears throat> um, and if, like, okay, so this is me and this is you, and you're telling me something that this person's supposed to be telling me, it's this person's job to tell me this, but you're telling me this, well, Gary should probably go talk to that person and find out what I'm really supposed to be doing, okay? Um, so we don't, we don't follow what is ungodly, and we also go through the proper channels. Uh, obviously, if it's a sinful request, we don't do it. But rebellion, um, God said that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. In 1 Samuel 15, verses 22 and 23, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? So Saul had, was supposed to go destroy the Amalekites, and he did. He was supposed to destroy everything, and he did, but he kept the best of the sheep and the oxen and kept the king alive and everything. And So he, he didn't do what he was supposed to do, and Samuel went to him and confronted him. And he said, well, I'm, you know, we're going to keep these for sacrifices. That'll make God happy. Well, <clears throat> Samuel said that God has more delight in obedience than in sacrifice. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. So, in God's eyes, rebellion is like witchcraft. It's the same thing. Stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry. And it's a big deal in the sight of God. Rebellion is death. Stubbornness is spiritual death. That's what Satan did when he rebelled against God. Rebellion is, is at, 
at such the core of our flesh and what we want to do. We don't want to listen to what anybody else has to say. We want to do what we want to do. And yeah, it's, it's not good. We sometimes think that we can, you know, we're just going to be straight under God's authority and nobody else. And that just simply does not work because of how God laid it out in Scripture. And you actually gain from obedience. At least that's what God says. God told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 5, verse 16, Honor thy father and thy mother, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So things go better when we stay under authority. There's less stress, less drama. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, for they, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is not profitable for you. So, it's not profitable for you to cause your leader grief. It's not helping your case at all. In fact, what it does is it distracts the leader from his responsibility and he has to go deal with a problem instead of fulfilling his responsibility. And it just makes the whole group, the whole, yeah, it makes everybody suffer. Nobody wins when someone is out from under authority. And there's a lot more to say. <clears throat> but I think, yeah, I, just to summarize it, I think, um, I would say, to summarize it, we are all directly under God's authority. Obey him first. And then submit to the authority that's in your life, no matter what it be. Your boss, your foreman at work, your uh, Sunday school teacher, youth sponsors, whatever it is. And then lead out well in the areas that you are responsible for. Make it easy for those following you. Repent of the rebellion in your heart. Be humble and love those around you. And when you think about authority, think about responsibility. And another thing to consider when thinking about responsibility is... um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation or their conduct. So consider the end of their conduct. And what a weight that is to carry for the one in authority. The writer of Hebrews is telling the people to watch their leader. Um, and, and you may, you could say, well, he's saying, you know, to be an, as an example, but that's not what he's saying later on in the chapter that I'll, that I'll read. It almost appears that he's saying to, to help them to be accountable. <clears throat> and I think, I think this, uh, this whole leading by example thing hit me pretty hard when we had our, our first child. Because all of a sudden, there's a little miniature Gary and Missy running around that's watching everything that we do. <laughs> and they do watch. And uh, yeah, what a, what a burden. Am I showing them real godliness? 
So you go down to verse uh, 17 and 18, which I <clears throat> read 17 already, but it says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we trust that we have a good conscience and all things willing to live honestly. So your pastor must give an account. Your job foreman must give an account. The head trustee has to give an account. The school teacher has to give an account. The school board has to give an account. Everybody has to give an account for the thing that we're in authority over, for our responsibility. And it's a burden. It's a burden to carry. And he says to pray for those in authority. And I think the last part of the verse, I don't know, something good to ponder. He says, For we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. And that's not always the case. Like, a leader, a father isn't perfect. Like, there's things that they, that they do wrong sometimes. As a leader, are you living a genuine life and not a hypocrite? It's a struggle, and the writer of this said, pray for us. So pray for the leaders around you. People aren't perfect. Leaders will make mistakes, and that happens. So pray for them. <clears throat> All right, and then I want to close with Philippians chapter 2. So you can turn to that. starting at verse 1. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Okay, so that's talking about how we do our circle here. And then he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. <clears throat> Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain.
I'm drawing in the sea of humanity that's around us. All these people. And these people see this right here. And verse 15 says, That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. So, the way you do this speaks greatly to everybody else who's watching. We are lights to them, reflecting the humility of Jesus to each other, reflecting the love of Jesus to each other. And we have the privilege of inviting these other people into this circle to be a part of something that can be really beautiful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, just come before you this morning. Um, Thank you for each one here. Thank you for all that gets done with all these people here, Lord. Each one in charge of their own little area of life. Um, There's fathers, grandparents, there's mothers and grandmothers, and there's church leaders and trustees and teachers and just, yeah, the list goes on and on of the different things that we are in charge of. And Lord, help us to do a good job fulfilling our, our responsibility. Help us to bear that weight. I pray, Lord, that um, we'd be willing to be submissive to each other and to be loving and kind. Um, There's lots of areas that we are submissive to each other, and I pray that we would make it easy for each other, and, yeah, that we could shine your, I guess, reflect your humility and love to the world in the way that we relate to each other. I pray that you would be with each one as they go from here. Uh, Bless each one, and... Just draw them close to you. In your name I pray, amen.